What's going on, everybody? This is All In Society. It is Friday, and we have a special edition of All In Society on our Friday episode. We have a special guest today. We have Avery Hilliard. She happens to be my cousin. She is from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I used to go down to Memphis every summer growing up. My parents would drive, uh, me and my mom and my dad would get into the car and drive straight 12 hours to Memphis to spend time with my family in Memphis, Tennessee every summer. Um, Avery and I talked before this interview. Uh, it's been probably over 10 years since we've seen each other, right, Avery? Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Avery, is, it's been awesome watching her journey from a distance. Um, she's a reporter for WTVA 9 News in Tupelo, Mississippi, and I'll let her elaborate a little bit more on what her job entails. But we're going to, we're going to, number one, we're going to ask her a lot of questions. We're going to see exactly how she got into the field and being a reporter for the news, because I think that is amazing. That's kind of something that I uh, would love to do myself in the future, if that's where the, the cookie crumbles. But this is episode number 35 of All in Society. So here we go. Avery, thank you so much for participating and uh, taking part in this interview. No problem. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks for reaching out or even thinking of me. So <laughs> I'm grateful for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, so like I said, you are a reporter, um, but you are much more than that. Um, so tell us about number first of all, first of all, to start our first question. Tell us about your most memorable moment so far um, in your career. In my career. Yes. Um, I think I would say just getting the call. And getting offered, it felt like a good comparison since I love sports and I'll get to that because that's the end goal. Mm -hmm. But like, it feels like that call when a football player gets it from the general manager, let's just say from any sports team. I don't want to say a specific one because my family has so many of they listen to this. They'll be like, why you choose the Cowboys? <laughs> <laughs> so it just feels like the general manager was calling that um player straight from college, got drafted and waiting to see where he would go. So it just felt like that moment when I got a call from my news director, Pat Peterson at WTVA 9 News. Um, it was November 9th. That was the day that I got the call where he offered me and I um, cried. I was with my cousin, Gabrielle Mitchell, and she was like, yes, take it, and <laughs> called him right back. He gave me a few days. You know how everyone gives you a few days to think about it. But uh, I called him right back and he's like, are you sure? I was like, yes. Because that was my first, as I call it, my big girl job post-grad school. Okay. And uh, I didn't have a job right after school. Like, you know, everybody, sometimes, not everybody, but sometimes everyone, like, looks at it as, oh, you're supposed to have a job right after grad school. Like, no, that is not the picture of life. Everyone's path is different. And it's not bad to not have a job after graduate school or undergrad like, I live my life, not that I didn't live it while in college, but I enjoyed my life being out of school. I was in school for so long, and to be able to just not have to worry about tests, homework, professors, you know, right. and, like, deadlines, 11.59, so things of that nature. But I had my fun, but I still apply for jobs, like, every day. I apply to three jobs every day to feel accomplished. And, like, I talked with my cousin Michelle Mitchell, and Gabrielle Mitchell and Michelle Mitchell, they're on my mom's side. But um, their sisters, I talked to Michelle one day when we went to eat, and she was just like, write down, you know, what you want to do in life and just watch how, you know, God will make it happen. And, like, you probably won't even notice it. 
And so, like, I wrote down, like, I wanted to enjoy my summer, apply for jobs, you know, get a job, and, you know, get my apartment, and all of that happened in the midst of it. So, like, I had fun, but I still took care of business. So, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Now, um, so everybody has a full understanding of what it entailed and what, how much school that you went through and everything you've accomplished. Tell us about your, your bachelor's and then your master's. So, like you said, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, so I'm going to take it back. <laughs> I went to Hanley Elementary School for Head Start, Germantown Elementary for, you know, elementary school, um, Ridgeway Middle School, Ridgeway High School. And while I was in high school, I played volleyball. Well, growing up, I played volleyball, ran track, did high jump, and basketball. But volleyball was just what they had my heart. So I played AAU volleyball. And that's just like AAU basketball for those who um, know about it. You know, you travel. This is after, like, your regular season in high school or middle school. So I played for Memphis Metro. We're the best. Of course, I'm going to say that because I played. <laughs> but um played there, and they helped you – honing on your skills. They tell you what you need to do, what you don't need to do, and they help you get in contact with college coaches. Now, they are there to help you, but you have to put yourself out there as well because, you know, when you're in college, you're not going to have your parents there to help you and guide you, so you kind of have to learn on your own. So I earned um, a four-year scholarship to Tennessee Westland. It was college my freshman year, but then they changed it to Tennessee Westland University going into my sophomore year. But I played as a middle. all my years there, and I was captain for my last two years. I was co-captain my sophomore year, and then junior and senior year I was captain. And enjoying my time there as a student athlete, I majored in communications, and uh, my end goal, and it's still my end goal, I want to be a sports broadcaster. So I love sports. I grew up three sport athletes. I used to talk it with my dad, watching sports. And at TWU, I wanted to, you know, leave my footprint there. So I started the university's first podcast called Bulldog Backfield. And my cousin Gabriel Mitchell, she helped me with the name, so I was give her props. But and I had a um, catchphrase where it's like, I'm taking you back to the field. So what I mean by that is like, I'm taking you back to the field of sports. So it aired every Thursday around 4 on YouTube and Spotify. And who helped me with that? Her name is Catherine Davis. She was my copywriting professor and then she noticed like my love for sports and what I wanted to do in life. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed how cool she was, you know, a professor and how she was there for me and gave good tips. So I chose her to be like the administrator over me for this. So before you graduate TWU in the communications program, I know you have to have like an internship type thing. And so that was mine with the university. So like I said, I had every Thursday, I brought in student athletes just to interview them, of course, about the sport, but to go beyond the sport because we had a lot of entrepreneurs there. So my friend, um, Moesha Moncrief, she's from Jamaica, but, like, lived in Huntsville, Alabama, and she does hair. So, like, it's, of course, girls on campus, and they want their hair done. So, boom, you have somebody right there at your hand to, you know, get your hair done mm-hmm. for whenever you may need it. So she was a great uh, – she was a wonderful track star, but she also did – hair like she was cold with it so like <laughs> I wanted other people to see that and know that she's more than just a track star like she offers this too like okay. track is not solely just on her mind so I did that with all the athletes and then like for the community too so like you know everyone can't make a game so you know sometimes they have to listen so with the podcast you can get a visual sense if, you can, if you're watching it you see who I'm talking about and you see who I'm talking to so, like, the people really enjoyed it, and we did, I think, about 
30 shows or something like that. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I also did some, they asked me to do color commentating for one of the basketball games. So they actually have that recording of my voice and Chris Bang. He's from Memphis as well. We both did it together. So that was fun. And then I also did halftime and post-game interviews with the basketball coaches and players who I sought out while watching the games. Like, I felt like I had, like, a real job. <laughs> so that's just my passion for the sport. But, like, they didn't ask me to do the halftime and post-time um, interviews. I did that on my own. Like, okay. I went out. It was like, I wanted to do this. So, but for board, I tied in to board out backfield. So, like, I had a Twitter page for that. So I ran that page and made sure, like, to keep people updated. And I was, like, follow the page. So I was pushing it on socials to tell people to follow it, stay updated, and things of that nature. So, like, it made the student athletes feel good. It made the community feel good. Yeah. Um, the newspaper there called The Daily Athlete, if I'm not mistaken, um, they did a story on me about bringing it to campus. So it was really good. And then I know, like, you went over the questions with me beforehand, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I did something during COVID just to, you know, since I say, so I'm gonna save it for your COVID questions. So I don't beat you to it. <laughs> okay, okay. So yeah. Well, yeah. So let's go right into it because you were talking about school and then attending uh, college during COVID. So what was that experience like? So yeah, so this will bring me into uh, into old Miss as well. So 2020, 2020 was the year I was supposed to graduate, which I still did, but I didn't graduate that May. I graduated in August. So to back it up. Um, it was after spring break. I went to Huntsville with my friend, uh, Moesha. She let me go home with her because I didn't go home to Memphis that time. And once we got back, before we got back, they sent out emails about COVID. So we was like, dang, so like, we were like, what are we going to do? So I ended up staying at school. TWU gave us the option. You could go home or you could stay at school. Mm-hmm. And they still took care of us. They knew they had a lot of international students that they couldn't just, oh. you know, pick up and go home like that. So that was really, um, a good thing. So they took care of us. They still fed us. They made sure we were good, sanitized, stayed away from each other. Okay. <laughs> so, so it was while a pleasant was there, experience then. Yeah, it was cool. You know, it was different, of course. Like, this is my senior year in college. I'm supposed to be, you know, having fun, right. going to classes and stuff like that. But, like, I'm stuck in my room. Nobody's really here. So it was definitely different. Mm-hmm. But I was fine with being, you know, to myself. I don't mind being alone. I had my TV, my snacks, Netflix. My folks kept checking on me, so I still had that support. So it was really good. Right, but cool. while I was there, I was still looking for what can I do, like, on the side of what our backfield. So I came up with this idea called the COVID Collection. And basically, it was just me interviewing student athletes who were still on campus. So I was just asking them, how do they feel, you know, to not be able to go home? Do they miss their family? Do they miss not... Um, because around that time, spring sports were, were in, so they couldn't finish their season, and some of them were seniors. So I was just having like having that feel. And I don't know at that time were they giving out their extra years to athletes. I think it came a little bit later to tell them like, oh, you can stay. We'll give you another year to play the sport. But just giving them the opportunity to talk. I talked to some professors and uh, people over student life. So I just added that aspect while in COVID. So I was looking for things just breaking out. And my friend, uh, Gael Hardaway, she makes logos and um, web web pages. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she's like more into it now, but back then she was, and she made my logo for me. So like I had people help me all over. She's from Memphis as well. But, um, you know, graduated, ended up graduating in August. They moved to graduation to August. And before COVID, I had already applied to the University of uh, Mississippi. That was the only 
school I applied to because my friend, my cousin's um, friend at the time told me about the program. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. I looked into it. And then I saw the integrated marketing and communications program. And I sent it to Catherine Davis again. She was over my board out backfield. And she was like, yeah, this will be perfect for you. And so I applied. I emailed um, the, he was, what is he, the grad assistant? Not grad assistant. He's an advisor. That's what he was. So okay. my friend, Vidra uh, Finch, she went there at the time. And she put me in contact with him. So I emailed him of my interest of coming to Ole Miss, uh, joining that program. He told me what to do GRE-wise. And like that's why I tell people com- communication is key and connections are key. So like I was yes. in contact with him. So when I first sought out Ole Miss until I got in, so like I t- I emailed him when I took the GRE, like just everything, just mm-hmm. to make sure we everything is good. So got in, excited about that. And when I got to um, Ole Miss, they were still in COVID precautions. So like some professors had in class, you know, classes, and some had online. So mm-hmm. like. It was like either or on different days. But once second semester came or like the second year, we were full-fledged like in class. But they were definitely over it on COVID taking precautions, saying, you know, to yourself. And then they were doing the CARES Act, so they were giving us money and stuff like that. And TW gave us money, too, as well. Okay. So, like, the universities were looking out for us. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> so, yes. Okay. So, yes. So, those things worked out well. Um, once I was at Ole Miss, I did want to leave my footprint there. I didn't do it the first semester, but Vidra did tell me about doing Rebel Radio. So, like, it yeah, Ole Miss, not Ole Miss, the KBU, I had the podcast, and I was doing, you know, reporting, and then color cover things. So, like, I had those different things on my resume. So, at Ole Miss, I was like, why not add radio, you know? Right. It shows that I'm flexible, able to do different things, and stuff like that. So, I think my second year, I joined, I auditioned for Rebel Radio. That's Ole Miss's. Um, radio platform and it's called The Voice of Ole Miss and so I brought something new to the station so my show was going to be called On the Way with Abe. I thought of that name my first year Ole Miss but I just did not get it okay. and so got there and I will never forget the radio manager she was like how are you going to interview all these student athletes because I knew I, was going, I wanted to bring sports to the platform right. and I just took it as a challenge I was like I'm going to interview every sports athlete here. Like, not every sports athlete, but a person from each team. And I did. So, basically, I wrote up a little intro to what I was doing so they knew I was a student. This wasn't a scam. Like, this is for real. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I wrote that up, and I would find student athletes who I wanted to interview, and I would DM them on Instagram. Okay. Simple as that. And, like, if they didn't get back to me in a mannerly time, I was like, well, because my show aired every Tuesday. I was like, okay, let me go to my next person. But they nine times out of ten, email back, and, like, nobody really declined. They were, like, either they had class or something, but I was, like, we could pre-record. So I was, like, we could just pre-record, like, or you could come in the studio, whatever. I all worked out. So I ended up interviewing, before I graduated, a student athlete from each sports team at Ole Miss. Okay. Um, the last team was baseball, and they, like, are really good, and they were going to, like, the championship. So I couldn't get in touch with them, but oh. I knew I took a I knew I took a class with their okay. manager, uh-huh. the class with their manager. So I was like, well, she knows them. She can talk about them. She's so to the taste. I was like, I'm still going to count her as a student athlete because, like, you know, she's always there. She knows what's going on. So yes. I do Hope Mary. Yeah. So it was just like thinking outside the box and, like, still getting the aspect of how the baseball team is. So, like, it worked out. 
That's but yeah, that's what I brought to the to Ole Miss. I left my footprint there, and they were just like, that was very different. Nobody has ever done that. And like, I made sure to let the athletes know, like, it's more than just me getting an interview out of you. Like, it's me trying to help myself in my career, but for them too, because when they if they want to go pro and they have to do interviews, like they'll probably feel a little bit more comfortable because you know everybody's uh, not good at interviewing yes. and talking. So I just saw it in that other way. So I'm like, it's basically we're helping each other. Right. And then I made sure like to go support and like when I saw them I was speaking to them like, Hey and stuff like that. Just mm-hmm. like to show them like I wasn't just using you like I'm a good person. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah. So I really enjoyed all that and I'm still cool with some of them to this day post grad. That's amazing. Now you said this twice, um, when you were just explaining that and you said leave your footprint. Now is that something they preached at Ole Miss? Or is that something you learned at a young age from your 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 own personal mentor or family? And then we'll touch on whoever your mentor is. Uh, I think I just conjured that up myself. <laughs> I mean, you always want to leave a good impression anywhere you go. And you want to make sure that people remember you in a good light. So I think that was from myself. Now, mentor-wise, I wouldn't necessarily say I have a specific one in the family because my, my family on my mom and dad's side, they both support, they all support me very well. Mm-hmm. So like, I would say all of them are mentors in their own little way of what they tell me, tips they give me and things of that nature. But I do have a mentor. Her name is Tamaria Terry. Her, um, she is, she was the sports reporter in News Channel 3 in Memphis, but now she is the sports reporter in Nashville okay. at WKRN Channel 4, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I met what was it? My auntie Liddell, Liddell Mitchell, that's my mom's sister. Mm-hmm. She saw, she used to watch her on the news and she was just like, I think she'll be really good for you. And she's like, I'm going to email her. <laughs> so she emailed her. Okay. And Samaria responded. Nice. And she's just like, oh, I couldn't believe like someone emailed me, you know, stuff like that. So we went to dinner at, I think, where did we go? Was it Char? It was somewhere. I think it was Char in Memphis. Yeah. Okay. And um, we just talked about sports reporting, African-American women in sports and things of that, that nature. And she became my mentor. And while I was at Ole Miss, this was while I was at Ole Miss. Um, well, before that, because she was helping me in the summertime too. So like when she would go out and like do sports stuff for like the Grizzlies, she would text me and call me. And I would like visit the station. Then I would go with her to the FedEx Forum nice. and um, watch her do her reporting and, like, after she was done recording, she would let me read what she wrote. Okay. Hurry up and memorize it real quick. So, like, it's kind of hard memorizing what somebody else wrote. Mm-hmm. But, like, she had me memorize it a little bit and, like, just practice how I would do in the future. And then when I went to Ole Miss, she, I just told her, like, let me know what weekend you're doing something. And I could try to come back. So, like, I know one weekend was the Southern Heritage Classic. That's a big weekend in Memphis where, at the time, TSU and JSU were playing. It was, like, it's a big tradition there. Come back, have a good game. Come back, have a game, have a battle of the bands, and everybody would tailgate. And for Memphis folks, even though, like, Memphis Tigers not playing, it's a tradition for us just to go out there and tailgate and have a good time. Mm-hmm. But now, JSU is not in it. It's um, University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff. So this was their first year. But going back to when JSU was playing, that's when they had Deion Sanders, and then TSU still has Eddie George. So those are two NFL players, right. uh, former NFL players, that is. And they were playing against each other. So, like, there's a great story to talk about. So, she had me come back. And we were outside in Tiger Lane. That's in front of the Liberty Bowl. Bowl, That's where the Memphis Tigers play. And we were doing – she was 
talking about how the I'm not convinced the conference was with Eddie George and Deion Sanders. So she had me say what she just said just to record it so I could have it for my reel. And I'll tell it um, what a reel is coming up soon. But mm-hmm. yeah, like she would just have me come back and record things just to help me for my future. But she would give me tips on what to do. I met um, other reporters through her from Channel 3. So yeah, and we are still in um, touch to this day while I'm here at WCBA 9 News. She was so happy. Of course, I texted her probably. She was one of the first people I texted after my family to tell her about this. So, like, she called me. And it was just really, really exciting. She was just, like, saying, like, this is my stepping song. My God got me through it all and stuff like that. Because usually people, a lot of people don't start out in sports as their first job. Mm-hmm. Like, they probably start in news because, like, it's the same, like, foundation with the camera and stuff. Just two different stories, you know. And it's a few differences. But, you know, you get the basics from the news, I guess. <laughs> okay. All right, so what sport are you most ex- – or if you had to pick one sport to, to be a sports broadcaster, what sport would it be and why? I mean, of course, of course I could say volleyball because, like, I played it, but I think I would love to do it for basketball just because I love watching it and, like, the excitement that I get from it. I, of course, I know I can't be biased because I'm a sports sporter. And viewers to say a lot about that. But <laughs> I just get a rise out of it, like, just talking about it. And, like, when I'm around guys, and I see I know what I'm talking about. It's like, you know, because, you know, guys still be like, you know that? Even though we in 2023, like, yes, I know that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and if I don't know something, I'll ask, like, okay, what that is. Okay. Like, I'm not afraid to ask a question. Like, I tell folks a dumb question is um, one not X because, I mean, you'll never know unless you ask the question. So, more like basketball, kind of get more like I like football too. I like watching football too, but um, I have to get a little bit more educated in it. But like I would say football too. But of course, I can do volleyball because it, I played the sport. But yeah. Okay. So when you were explaining um, the kind of the experience and scenarios that your mentor put you through, now now correct me if I'm wrong, but you were saying that she wrote the whatever her lines were or whatever the script is going to be. Now is it when you're on out in the field, you write your own, and then when you are like, why not watch your clips on uh, on TV when you're actually at the desk? Everything's are you reading from a teleprompter there? So you write your own script based off the information that's given to you. Oh. So like people send out press like for a crime story, often send out press releases. So they'll tell you the time it happened, where it happened, um, who was involved, what law enforcement or help showed up. You write your script based off of that. Okay. And then you have producers and executive producers who look over your script to make sure like you don't have any grammar errors okay. or to fix a sentence that could have been said better. So like they go, they double check it for you and then they send it back to you and then you read that out in the field. So like some news stations have teleprompters out there with you and some don't. Like you have to, I won't, I don't want to say memorize because they tell you not to memorize because if you memorize your script, you can mess up on one word and all of that will go away. So they tell you to write bullet points. So let's say, um, let's say Deion Sanders was coming to Memphis for a conference. So I will write bullet point Deion Sanders slash Memphis. So I could say Deion Sanders is coming to Memphis today was Friday, September, what's the date? (laughs) Like, like the day of the day. Yeah. Same of the day and then go more into it like that. So, but we're anchoring, you are looking at a teleprompter all the time because there's a lot of stuff you got to talk about. So, okay. 
Um, yeah, in the field, you're doing one story, maybe two stories, but, like, spread out, anchoring, like, this stuff back to back. So you still write that script, they approve it, and then you're reading from the prompter. Which do you prefer? I mean, I, the prompter, of course, but, like, <laughs> I have my, like, you can, we have our phone down in the field, so, like, you can't, you only see us waste up. So I'm holding my phone, glancing at it oh, at times okay. to make sure, you know what I'm saying, the right thing. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Um, any oh, this is one question I wanted to ask. So, especially in in DC area, it seems like when they report about um, like someone died or anything like that, that they've become numb to it. It's almost sometimes, and I'm not saying you've ever done this, but it's almost like sometimes they're they're saying stories like so and so, so and so died, X and X and you know, someone was raped, whatever the case may be. It's a terrible story, but they're almost saying it and they're smiling when they're saying it. Because I think that they've just read these stories so often and they've become numb to it. Is that is that something or is that just something that I'm kind of like thinking in my own head? Um, If they're smiling, I don't um, necessarily think maybe they're trying to do that. I think they know that the story is a sad one. Maybe they've just had a lot of stories that were happy and like transitioning over to a hard story. Because we have things called soft stories and hard stories and hard stories. Or like hard news is like crime and stuff, and mm-hmm. serious stuff. Um, maybe they just just been so trained for the south news and south stories that going get trans transition into a horror story. They still trying to like work on their facial expressions because yeah. like you have to work on your facial expressions when doing a story like a hard crime story. You have to be serious. Yes. Like if someone passed away, you show some sympathy and things of that nature. But I won't say you get numb to it. It is repetitive if you're in an area with so much that's happening, but so much happening every day, but like it's our job. So we can't really get numb to it. We can do so much mm-hmm. crime that we'll feel it. Like I know one colleague of mine does a lot of crime and stuff, but that's just because of the area that he is in. But I know sometimes he wants to get uh, easy, not an easy, but a soft story just to, you know, line things up for him. Cause like we do feel the stories that we do, we feel them. And they are sad if it's like crime stories, someone dies. So we feel the emotion and stuff like this. So it's like, okay, give us a little break and let us get something, you know, else in right. time. So right. Understood. Okay. Um, now, so we're we're getting close to our time, so I'm going to be respectful of the amount of time that you were given. Um, but I did want to ask one more question, and this might be a good one. Um, so I know you're very family-oriented. Now, what if a position comes open across country, but it's your, it's a dream job for you? How difficult would it be for you to make that decision and kind of go out on your own and leave your family? Like in another state? Yes. Like California, um, say, for instance. Uh, well, I went, away, I went away for undergrad and it was six hours. So, okay. I mean, the University of Memphis, uh, like I was looking at talking with them about volleyball, but I didn't want to stay in Memphis. Uh-huh. So... Um, love Coach Ian and Ashley. It was just Coach Ashley at the time for TWU. But like they don't, they are the ones who really sold me okay. on TWU. So going, and I didn't mind going away. Like six hours, I knew they couldn't just pull up on me and check on me. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I was like, it'll help me learn to be independent. But yeah, I know I still can ask them for help. So like, if I was to get a job in California, I'll probably like we're human, so you'll probably feel a little way. But I feel like I'd be okay. Okay. My, my folks are very, you know, um, Christian. So it's just like, they'll like pray about it. If it's for you, 
you know, they talking the right numbers, like, you know, go. (laughs) (laughs) They talking the right numbers, like, go, like, if God presents you with something that's, like, supposed to be for you, you know, go with it, and they'll support me. They'll come visit me for sure. So, like, they get them somewhere else to go. But, like, they already visit me. And Tupelo just, like, literally straight down the highway from Memphis. It's, like, they say an hour or something Mm -hmm. on the GPS, but it's not that far. So, like, they have been coming to visit me here. Like, they came to TWU. They came to Ole Miss to visit me. So, like, they're going to visit. So, I don't think it'll be that hard. Okay. All right. All right. Good. All right. So, um, do rapid fire these uh, next couple of questions or tidbits to add on. Uh, Have you heard of InvestFest before? I haven't. Oh, okay. All right. So, I got... We did this interview maybe uh, a month too late, um, but I know you're a busy woman. I don't know if you'll be able to do this last second, um, but I know you're you're familiar with Joy Taylor, right? Joy Taylor. Mm-hmm. She's on. Uh, no. She's a, a sports broadcaster. She was on Fox Sports. I'm not sure if she's still there. No, I'm not really not with her. Like I really love Maria Taylor. Okay, so uh, I don't think Maria was here, but. Uh, at this event, but invest fest. Um, so I went, I went this year and I went the year before, uh, last year, excuse me. Last year, I think there was about 14,000, um, people of color, uh, in Atlanta at Georgia world Congress center there for a weekend. And they're learning about stocks and, um, investing, um, real estate, um, entrepreneurship, a plethora of things that's kind of moved the community forward this year. There was 20,000 folks there. So it's even bigger. Steve Harvey spoke, um, Robert Smith. He's a billionaire. Um, Diddy was there this year. A couple other people. Um, a lot of the football players were there. Basketball players were there. Um, so okay. I thought it would, it would have been great for you to go this year. Cause it was in more emphasis on podcasting and, um, just communications in general. There was more um, of that this year rather than just real estate and stocks and things. So just for yeah. next year, I I'm pretty sure they'll do it every year. I think it'd be great. You'd be able to network with these folks um, and maybe you'd be able to talk to people that are, um, you know, within your, within your career and be able to network with them. I thought it was a mm-hmm. great opportunity for me when I went for, for me. So I'm sure it'd be a great opportunity for you as well. Uh, if that would be something you'd be interested in. Okay. Yep. So uh, Nick was uh, supposed to go with me, uh, but a couple of things happened, so he didn't get an opportunity to. So next year, I'm going to mm-hmm. make sure that he's going with me, and so <laughs> we'll we'll make sure that um, you're at least aware. If you can't make it, at least um, you're aware and be able to to try to get out there if you can. Okay. Yep. Yep. And then the last few things when we touched on this, um, do you? Uh, do you invest in the stock market, whether it be with your 401k plan or do you invest in stocks individually? Not individually. So I do have a 401k plan. My job, they match. So okay. I remember when I first set it up, I felt like a big girl. I was like, I'm 25. What up? <laughs> so like, I'm just thinking of it in the future, like just building it. Yep. And it's growing. So, yep, you know. <laughs> yep, for sure. Whatever there, uh, your employer is willing to match, make sure you put in at least bare minimum that every year. So you can get that. I mean, it's free money, right? Who don't like free money? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I know you said that you, you are aware of your credit score. So that's something that uh, these are just conversations that we don't feel comfortable talking uh, with when we're, how many times we get together um, during Thanksgiving, which I'll be there this uh this holiday for Thanksgiving to see everybody, maybe even Christmas. Um, but when we're there for the holidays 
And we're not talking, especially now when we're grown adults. A lot of times they were kind of, if they're talking about something, they'd be in the adult table and the kids be in their own section. Well, now we're all older. Now we all need to be talking about money, um, investing. And number one, we need to be talking about our parents' health because they're getting older and we're going to have to take care of them. Right. So these are the things I know they're not um, things that we want to talk about because they make us feel uncomfortable. But there's conversations that we need to be having. And then. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I'll definitely I'll be starting those conversations and making people uncomfortable this holiday season. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, last but not least, um, do you play poker or do you know how to play poker? No, I don't know how to play poker. I know how to play spades. Uh, I got to get a refreshment on dominoes. I got to play Uno. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know how to play some card games, but I don't know how to play poker. I've been to Las Vegas, so like I've seen the scenery. Of course, as all the hotels have okay. that, um, the area down there. So, like my first time on the slot machine was in Miss, like in Tunica, because well, no, actually not in Tunica, just to see it. We went there to go eat, but in Vegas, that was my first time playing. Okay, but not poker. I was on the spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, be careful of them slot machines. They are they are there to make money and nothing but that. I know. I can believe. I made my first hundred dollars off. Oh, there you go. There you go. When don't put another dollar in the slot machine. No, I'm kidding. Just be responsible, <laughs> which I know you are. Uh, but the reason why I bring it up is because poker is a game that you can play with your friends and family. You just need a table, some cards. It's very cheap. And you get around the table and you have these conversations and you could do it every weekend or however often you want to do it. So that's the reason why I want to get folks to play poker um, to grow the game and for us to, to have a reason to get uh, around each other. Now, I think especially after COVID, no one wants to be around each other. No one knows how to talk to each other anymore. So if poker can do that, I'll get us back to being what I'll quote normal. Um, that would be amazing. Yeah. 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 But the, so thank you so much. Um, we ran a little bit over, um, but thank you so much, like I said, for for doing this interview. It was it's been amazing watching your journey. Um, please tell the folks where they can find you and keep uh, track or watch you online if they're not in your area. Oh, so they can go to WTVA 9 newscom I believe it's that or just Google that. And when we're live. So I am the morning reporter, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So I started reporting live at 5 a.m. And my last live started at 8.30 a.m. Then whatever I'm working on, you'll see that aired at 12, possibly 4 or 6. But when we're live on the website, it'll be a yellow banner at the top of your screen. And you just click that and it'll take you to that. And then on the weekends, I am the, I just got offered the morning anchor position. So we have a 5 and 6 a.m. show. Same thing applies when we're live. You'll see the yellow banner. Go across your screen so you can uh, find us there. You can follow us on social media. Um, the main page is WTVA 9 News. And then mine is Avery, uh, Avery WTVA on Facebook. I believe that is it. Awesome, awesome. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Yes. Enjoy your, your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. And thank you again for doing this uh, interview and having this conversation with me. I appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. All right. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye.